medicine of East Asia is based on a science that does not hold itself separate from the phenomena that it seeks to understand. Our medicine did not grow out of petri dish experimentation or double-blind studies. It arose from observing nature and our part in it. East Asian medicine evolves not from the examination of dead structures, but rather from living systems with their complex, mutually entangled interactions. Welcome to Geological. I'm Michael Max, the host of this podcast that goes in-depth on issues pertinent to practitioners and students of East Asian medicine. Dialogue and discussion have always been elemental to Chinese and other East Asian medicines. Listen in to these conversations with experienced practitioners that go deep into how this ancient medicine is alive and unfolding in the modern clinic. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code Geological at the time of sign up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. 
I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of this solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash geological to learn how. Today, I've got Deborah Betts with me. Deborah Betts is an acupuncturist and author. She's the author of uh, The Essential Guide to Acupuncture in Pregnancy and Childbirth. She has taught classes all over the world on using acupuncture, uh, both for pregnancy and uh, for childbirth. And uh, in addition, she's presented at various symposiums, like the one that done in Vancouver, British Columbia, put on by Lauren Brown. And she has some online classes over there at ProD as well. So if you're interested in getting some of Deborah's work and some of what she has to teach, that's a great place to go. Today, our conversation is on the use of acupuncture during pregnancy for women with back pain. This is a very focused conversation that we're going to have. And, you know, it's about a subject here that a lot of us see in the clinic. And I suspect that a lot of us have a little discomfort in treating because it often involves moving a lot of chi and a lot of blood. That's something we want to be very careful about during pregnancy. Deborah's got a lot of experience with this. And so I'm really happy to have you here on the show today, Deborah. Welcome. Hi, Michael, and thanks for um, inviting me to talk about this. I think it's a, a subject that uh, needs exploring, and I'm really happy to be here with you, hopefully empowering some acupuncturists to go out there and promote what I see as a wonderful treatment for back pain for pregnant women. Yes, it's something that we see a lot in clinic. It's, it's not at all unusual for women to have back pain. Can you give us a, just a brief amount of background on how you got interested in treating this particular issue and, and more importantly, how you've learned to treat it both successfully and safely? Right. So as you, as you pointed out, and this is what's very evident in the research, you know, over 60% of women have back pain in pregnancy of some type. And so it's something that if you're in clinical practice and you're treating women and treating pregnant women, you are going to see a lot of. And it's not only seeing the people that walk through the door, it's about going out to antenatal groups and telling women that you can treat this because they're usually just told you have to put up with it, that it's normal. Um, and it can be very um, impact on their life uh, tremendously. And it usually just gets worse, and that's what the, the medical literature will say. So if someone's got back pain at 14 or 16 weeks because the hormones are already at this time stretching the ligaments, um, so even before they get the postural changes in terms of their weight distribution with pregnancy, um, 
the hormones kick in and relax all the ligaments and the tendons. And so they can start having back pain quite early in their pregnancy, 14, 16, way before, you know, 20 weeks. And it's just going to get more um, troublesome as the pregnancy progresses. So if you can get in there and say to a woman, look, if you're experiencing back pain, come and see me. The sooner that we, we treat this, you know, the better. You actually have this really gold star research, which is a Cochrane review that compares physiotherapy and all sorts of other treatments. And acupuncture comes out really well in that. So there's been quite a lot of research from physios that have shown that acupuncture is more effect, is effective for back pain and in some cases more effective than physiotherapy treatment. So this is something that we really need to put our hands up for and say this is something that we can do, this is something that's effective. And So that's how I started off by realising that this was something that we needed to be treating through clinic and with the research saying that it was useful and then really the, the practice came about because I'm involved in a hospital clinic um, and we see women, um, it's free acupuncture treatment. It's run through the New Zealand School of Acupuncture and Hutt Valley Hospital here in New Zealand. And the most of the treatments that we have is for back pain. So you can find, there's, some, there's just been an article published where we talk about what we treat in this clinic and over the last few years, you know, it's it's up around uh, 70 to 80% is back pain. Wow, that's quite a few people. That's a lot of your caseload, isn't it? And even they, some of them are not even presenting for back pain, but when we assess them in their first intake, uh, they have back pain. So, of course, we treat them for it. So it's really we've been doing this f um, for something the hospital clinic's been running over, oh, actually, I think it's, something like uh, it's over eight years now. So over time, we're treating uh, over 100 women a year. So there's a lot of women coming through that we're treating with back pain, and it's really based on some very straightforward techniques that all acupuncturists uh, have at their fingertips. One is I use a lot of cupping, and I know people sometimes go, oh, cupping on the lower back. But honestly, what you're doing is you're moving – blood flow to these muscles that are really tight and you know having trouble so some light cupping on the back over the uh, shoe points or down the spine I, the woman love it and it's very effective yeah i mean who who wouldn't love cupping so just a quick question here are you doing stationary cups or running cups stationary and fairly mild it's not the kind of grit your teeth till you can bear it kind of cupping it's just to uh, help those muscles who that are working so hard in the lower back so i'm not worried about i know it says the, some of the old literature traditional literature says no points on the lower back but to me the points you need to avoid are those that induce labor which is the bladder 31 32 Mm -hmm. So stay off of the sacrum. Although I, if it's sore over there, you can cup over that area because when you're needling to induce, you're putting in like a three-inch needle and using strong stimulation. Mm -hmm. So this is very just mild aimed at the musculature level and cupping can be really effective. So I would recommend cupping. I've never had any problems with this being anything to do with inducing labor. Okay. Are you using the glass fire cups or the silicon cups? The glass fire cups. Yep. 
And also, one thing that I'd recommend is that you can, here, we have these little Chinese massage shops that sell those little suction cups. They've either got little magnets on them or there's a little tube you pump up. For people who need sort of ongoing relief, um, you can tell women about this and get their partners to cut them at home. Because my experience has been, and sorry to the guys listening to this, is that sometimes the partners are not too keen on giving lots of back massages. Mm -hmm. However, they will quite happily play around two or three times a week with some little cups. And that can that can be a sort of a intermediate treatment that can be really helpful for women to have some home cupping, you know, a couple of times a week. Yeah. Well, what can I say? Us, us guys, we like tools. And if it has blinky lights on it, it's even better. Yeah. So that, that kind of those little, little having to do that as a home treatment often works quite well to support women. I also use a lot of press needles. So those are those point needle, uh, the plasters with little needles that you put in someone's ear, except putting them on distal points. So that again helps prolong the treatment. So I actually still prefer, I've always preferred the little needles over the magnets. Sorry, not magnets, the little balls. And really putting those into tender distal points on the feet. So you need to find them and find that they are tender. So gallbladder 41. So when I'm talking about these points, they're not actually necessarily the correct points if you're from a textbook, you have, you're palpating along the channel and you may be going half a sun up to a sun either way of the point. So gallbladder 41 is palpating just around that area up the channel and you find if there's a sticky tender spot, that's where I put the needle in for treatment and that's what I um, where I put the press needle. Another one is working your way from bladder 60 to, uh, sorry, bladder 62 to gallbladder 40 and just palpating around the external malleolus and if there's a tender point there the woman will tell you because you just go one two three four and they'll go oh number three is the most tender uh, pressing quite firmly so you go around there that can often be a really good point for uh, you know the back and pelvic pain and there's another point which is coming up from stomach 44 and palpating up the channel. It's not really an acupuncture point, but you find a sticky spot in there, which is actually very good for that lower coccyx pain that women get sometimes get in pregnancy. And that's that's a really useful point also for a press needle. So all of the women that come in with back pain walk out with at least one press needle in their foot, depending on what's tender. I tell them they can leave it in for three or four days, um, provided it doesn't get sore or itchy. So if it gets sore or itchy, they need to take it out. And I will usually, if they found it useful, either that they didn't wake up at night with a back pain or that it made a, a huge difference to them while they had the press needles in, I give them some spare ones so they can get their someone, usually their support person, just to find that point again because there's a little sticky mark where the plaster was and that, that they can put that in until they see me um, you know, next time. So I find the, the, the use of press needles in that way also helps hold the treatment, makes it uh, you know hold for longer. Most women like the needles, although I tell them, 
the press needles, though I tell them not to not to wear them if they get itchy or sore, and there's no way that I want them limping around in pain if it's, you know, rubbing on their feet or their shoes. But a lot of them will wear them at night, so they'll just put them in at night before they go to bed because they often wake up with the back pain. Now, are you first needling with a regular needle in the clinic, and then and then you put a press needle in and send them out the door? Yep. And press needles only for those distal points because, to me, they can still keep on activated because they're so shallow. And I've never had any problems with infection or problems in the area just because they only stay in a few days and the woman take them out if if they're not, if they don't like them. Hello, everyone. Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of yang, the primal reservoir of yang which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of yang chi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvellous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. Mm-hmm. What about more local types of treatment? Do you also, I mean, I understand the cupping is, the light cupping, I should say, is is a type of local treatment do you do other kinds of local treatment as well yes i think the right jaji points just going down and looking at cupping also uh, sorry um, i already talked about cupping but i do cup over the spine which is sort of almost to me cupping the right jaji points as well mm-hmm. if that makes sense so it does make sense so you're kind of moving that fluid. Now, one of the things that this might work so well, both the needles and the cupping, it's finding, it's feeling for the uh, tender sticky spots because what you've got here is not necessarily an injury to the back like you might have with other back injuries. This is, you know, a process where the body's struggling to cope and is in a changed environment with the hormones and the shifting weight. So it's, it's almost like activating the fluid from around the joints and the idea is that sometimes in pregnancy, this back pain is caused by hypoxia to the actual uh, facet joints. So to me, what you're doing is if you're bringing blood flow in and you're helping to relieve inflammation, you haven't got an injury to deal with. You've just got a little tweak to make the body work better and you can get very significant changes in back pain. Right. So it's actually a deficiency condition is, is what you're saying. Ah, no, sometimes you're finding inflammation in excess. Mm. But still what you're doing by moving the fluids and improving the blood is flushing things through. I mean, that's how I think of it. Yes, yes. That's what I was thinking. Because the blood and the fluids are not moving properly, the tissues are not as well nourished as they could be. And thus, I think of it as deficiency. 
Right. Although, to me, it's important that you work with what you feel under your fingers, and I think we're very good at this. We can feel dampness, or what I think of as uh, fluid accumulation, bogginess in the tissue, um, and you can feel inflammation, and you can feel tightness, and the, obviously they show up as kind of ashu painful points. So those are those are what I needle. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. I, I understand feeling dampness, you know, a bogginess. I'm very familiar with that, and tightness as well. What does inflammation feel like under your fingers? Oh well, I pre- it's really just that uh, tight. You know, it doesn't actually feel hot or anything, but you could, it's it's just it's the tightness, really. To me, I see that as the muscles locking up in inflammation. Mm-hmm. So you've got that idea of, of find, you can just find these little spots that feels great to put needles into. It's almost like you create a little micro trauma that tells the body what to do. Come here, fix this area. So, and I, I must pass on a tip I heard, for, this is from a lecture from Matt Callistan, who's also, you know, a very experienced um, musculoskeletal practitioner, and he has a um, you probably your American listeners are probably familiar with him, and he has a book coming out soon. And he said that the Huato Jaji points actually the blood supply from the from the joint comes down to feed the one below. So now, in the last year, I've also been needling the point above the the Huato Jaji point above where you have pain and inflammation, so that the blood supply. So you're actually needling the little vest, the vein that, uh, artery that comes down to the one below. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It's, it's sort of like if there's a deficiency condition, if you're thinking five elementally, if there's a deficiency condition, you tonify the mother to take care of the uh, the offspring. Yeah, well, in this case, you're going above because there's actual, there is a little artery that comes from the from the joint above to feed the one below. Mm-hmm. So you're improving your blood flow by activating both the local area and the joint above. So um, that's just something else for that people may want to play around with. And then I'm just doing standard, what we call back pain points, gallbladder 34, but again, feeling around the head of the fibula, so not always with a textbook, gallbladder 34, bladder 57, bladder 58, if they're tender, bladder 60 if they're over 36 weeks. So... I wouldn't usually do that unless the woman's 36 weeks because it's a point I use for labor preparation. And it's also, you know, we use it to release the back and it may help with the ligamental, uh, the uterine, the uterus has uh, ligaments that attach to the back. So it may help with that as well mm-hmm. in, t- in terms of positioning the baby. So yeah, it's, it's a fairly standard back pain uh, treatment. I'm not worried about induction using those points. The only and this has only happened a couple of times, is that sometimes because you're loosening the ligaments or helping, you know, the uterus kind of perhaps the ligaments to the uterus as well, sometimes the babies move a lot after treatment and often they'll move into a good position. So don't be a little bit, don't don't worry if one's that other baby was really active. There were no contractions. It's just the baby's finding the the, the pelvis has rela- you know the the um, muscles in the pelvis and the ligaments have released. You've allowed the uterus to move into perhaps a, a more suitable position, and the baby's snug- snuggling around trying to get in a better position as well. Right. Is this something that you would also add into a treatment if you're trying to say turn a baby? For I think look it's for some women if the if there are if there is a if the uterine ligaments are 
uh, you know, tight. It's very in the push, in the kind of pulling the, the uterus to a certain position, a certain tweaking it to a certain angle. It can be harder for those babies to get into the a nice anterior position. So certainly, bladder sixty is used as pre-birth in terms of because from thirty-six weeks, that's when the babies will be trying to get down into a nice anterior position. So mm-hmm. certainly, it is used then to do that. And cupping for, you know, the woman just love the cupping. And uh, I suppose it, it saves you having to stand there and massage the back for 20 minutes. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't like cupping? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking, uh, I've been using these silicon sort of flexi cups. Uh, you don't use fire, you just kind of bend them and put them on the body. Are you familiar with these? Have you seen these types of cups? Yes, and I've I've picked them up at uh, you know conferences and played with them. I I have I don't use them on the woman because you can't really sterilize them very well for me. So I the glass are better for mm-hmm. me, and I like the heat. We did I have played around with the suction cups etc. But there's something about the fire that I think is just really interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking of an article that Bruce Bentley wrote a while back. I think it was in The Lantern. And he talks about cupping deficiency. And he talks about using the heat of the cup. And he talks about a very gentle amount of vacuum because you're just you're just trying to pull the fluids and pull the yang up into the surface to uh, get some movement that way. And I, that, I totally feel that that's what I'm doing, except I'd add in a bit of blood to the muscles. Mm-hmm. What about uh, the hands and arms? Do you use these at all in, in the treatment of back pain? Do these come into play? Um, no, not usually. Although I'm, you're usually treating something else in, for the woman as well. It might be insomnia or emotional stuff. So it's like although they've got back pain, you're not always just treating the back pain. So there is a balanced treatment according to what you know the woman needs. But I'm kind of like using as, as least needles as possible to get the strongest effect. So for my back pain treatments, I'm only really needling points that blockage. I think I'm needling blockages in the channels. So I'm really palpating for ashy points and doing that. Before we end the interview, I did want to pass on a tip about pelvic pain. And this is a form of women often have some pelvic pain and back pain together. But in the research, they divide it into different types of pain. So pelvic pain is because the pubic synthesis is, or the hormones have released it, and it's the front of the pubic synthesis is grating. So over REM2, the bone and the cartilage is kind of not, uh, no longer supported in the same way, and so it's loose and it moves. These women will have pain when they, when they destabilize their pelvis. So when they get up off a chair, when they get up off the toilet, when they roll over in bed at night, they'll have this, and it can be really severe grinding pain in the front of, on the, over their pubic bone. Uh, women can be on crutches. They can be admitted to hospital. They can be, have inductions due to it. They can hardly move or walk. Um, and we've literally had people, you know, throw away their crutches after the treatment. It can be spectacularly uh, different after an acupuncture treatment. And I believe this is because you're reducing acute inflammation. And what, all you really need to do is get the woman to palpate over the over the pubic bone around REM2 where she feels the pain and give it a measurement out of 10. So she'll press on an area and she'll say, right, that's a 6 or an 8 or something. Mm-hmm. And then get get her to lie down. And I usually just treat with women. They need to be lying on their side. Uh, rather, Don't lie them on their back, especially sort of after 20 weeks in pregnancy because they can feel faint and dizzy. 
So they're lying on their side, they're comfortable, lots of cushions under their knees, in front of their belly, behind their back. And then just palpating those points, gallbladder 34 and gallbladder 41 correctly, put your needles in. And after five minutes, ask the woman to go back and press on her pubic bone again. And what I'm looking for is a reduction of half. So I put six, she, she should say, oh, oh, that's actually much better. That's I put that at a three now, or sometimes it just disappears. If it's exactly the same, you need to go back and redo gallbladder 34 and 41 because your distal points weren't quite correct. And that's quite common with the students is they've gone with the textbook point and not the, not the ASHU point. If that still hasn't made any difference, you can needle over top of REN2 to relieve the inflammation there. I don't have to do this very often, but it's not a problem. You just use a one inch or one and a half inch needle and you just go right into where the woman is pointing. You're over the bone, you're over the pelvic bone, so you're not gonna go anywhere, but you can just release that local inflammation. So I'd really recommend that people uh, think about that for pelvic, you know, try and uh, get the, the woman when they stand up from the table after having back pain treatment should feel a significant difference in terms of the way they move, you know, just from the, the straightforward treatment. If a woman comes back and says that there was no difference, I'm really suspecting that there's an underlying back problem, which is different from pregnancy-related pain. So if a woman comes back and says, oh, it's no different, first question is, what did you do after the treatment? Because sometimes they'll say, oh, no, afterwards it was great. I went and did the gardening, but then the next day <laughs> it all came back again. So the back pain reduces, off they go. So they have to treat themselves carefully because you're not solving the problem. They've still got the altered gravity They've still got the hormones loosening all the ligaments. Um, you are just helping them through it. Um, so sometimes it's because of a lifestyle aspect, but sometimes it says no, no difference. And what you've got often then is you've got an underlying back problem, might have been a back injury from years ago that normally their body could cope with, but now that they're pregnant, it can no longer cope with. And in those cases, I'm looking to refer those women, I really like cranial osteopathy, because if you work with the acupuncture and the cranial osteopathy, you can actually, you know, really help realign what their underlying problem is. So if a woman comes back and says, oh, it's been no different, and actually she hasn't done anything um, untoward to, to aggravate it, um, I'll, I'll give her another treatment, but I'll say you need to go and see a cranial osteopath. I just don't want to keep bringing them back and getting no improvement. And with this pregnancy-related back pain, not always a, a cure, but they should say, oh, yes, for a couple of days it was so much better. And we rate this on in the hospital clinic on MyMop scores where you actually rate your recordings. Um, you get them to rate how, you know, on a pain scale and then you check it. And it is in the article um, that you can find online. For back pain, you know, 80% of women had improvement in their pain that they saw as clinically significant, that made a real difference to their lives. And that's pretty good for, for a condition that's just supposed to get worse as your pregnancy progresses. Yes. How often do you tend to treat these women? How often do they need treatment? If indeed this is... Uh... Uh, something that will respond to acupuncture because it's pregnancy-induced. Yeah. So basically, um, we're only treating them once a week because we have a waiting list. We can't see people more than that. But um, I, ideally in clinic, you treat them twice a week mm -hmm. and use the press needles in between. 
And you are going to some people who have these, oh, you know, we've seen people who have actually got slip discs. They've actually got proper back problems that need a lot more, you know, they're not going to get the same kind of relief as they're going to get from just the straightforward pregnancy acupuncture, where I see it's inflammation and hormonal related to the postural changes in pregnancy and the altered, uh, the way the ligaments are working. So that's what I see responding really well. As I said at the beginning, there's research to show that that this that acupuncture works. There's also the research that's done through the physios is that they are using points that we might not really agree with. They use large intestine four a lot in their treatments. In the research, there is some uh, evidence that that stimulates in a very small percentage of people some contractions, which the physios don't really see as a problem. However, what it to me, there's huge potential problems if the physios take over and become the experts in treating back pain. So I would like acupuncturists to put their hands up to say this is something that we treat, this is something uh, we can be effective for, and so that it becomes really well known that this is within our scope of practice. Um, and also going on to talk to some, phys- go to physiotherapy practices. If they're not happy to use acupuncture, they should be really happy to refer women to you and use it as a referral base. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five element and six chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jingwell points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of chi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. Yeah, so this could be good for our practice and just good for pregnant women everywhere if we'll get out and do a little footwork. Yes, and have the confidence that our medicine is very effective for this. And I, again, I would have said this in my other interviews, there are, thousands, there are so many women who experience pregnancy back pain. There are so many pregnant women in your community. There will always be more pregnant women in your community than women who are trying to get pregnant. And... Most of those are going to have some form of back pain. So this is a huge tool to open doors, to to, to open your practice up to treating this. And it's such, it's such a joy to treat people who have a small problem and watch it, uh, watch them bloom and, and to be able to treat something that Western medicine says, oh, there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to put up with it. Suddenly we get these fantastic results and women are really grateful and then they really want to know what you can do and the midwives really want to know what you can do if you're helping these women 
it's really fun to do the impossible, isn't it? It's like magic. It's re- some of it. Some of it is. And when I'm working with the students, because they come to this, they, and I should say that the students at the New Zealand School in their fourth year, they are the ones treating these women. I'm supervising and treating some women. But so if, if fourth year students can treat women with back pain. Uh, acupuncturists can qualified acupuncturists can do this absolutely and i really have to be careful with them sometimes because they're kind of saying things to the woman like to me like oh my goodness it really works and i'm going yes yes of course it works we expect it to work i mean you'll see see such wonderful things with this back pain that's really validating for our medicine because it's acute and I think because it's just related to these pregnancy hormones and the inflammation, it responds very well to acupuncture. It's great. This is so, uh, it's so helpful. And I love that you put a call out to acupuncturists to say, get out there and tell people about this, you know, get out there and, and, and educate and, and let folks know that, that we can be helpful in this way. Yeah, it's uh, well, it's just what I did, and it kind of has worked so well. And this whole idea of acupuncturists having trouble with their businesses and stuff. I mean, oh, for goodness sake, there's so many women out there who are pregnant. You know, their networking systems are coffee mornings and things, and word of mouth is so powerful. You only have to treat a few. Oh my, oh my goodness! You know what? You know what I love is you treat someone who just loves to gossip about you, and that they have all these networks. They have all these networks. They will send you tens, of, you know, dozens of people. So if you want it and you get into going to little regular antenatal talks and kind of get out there with some confidence about what you can do, uh, the market is huge. This is great. Again, I so appreciate you being on the show and I so appreciate you taking this, I'm going to call it distilled wisdom of your experience. I know for myself and I have treated back pain for women, but I always, I'm always a little antsy and anxious about it because, you know, the first thing that we're taught in Chinese medicine school is be very, 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 very careful. And uh, so anytime I think about moving blood and chi with a pregnant woman, I get pretty nervous. It's because I'd never talked to someone like you. I've got a whole different perspective right now. But it's not about moving blood. You can move all the blood and chi you want. It's about inducing contractions. Aha. Uh-huh. So... Does does that make so you know just there are points that the midwives use and when you use to induce and you use to make so there are points that we have from the literature that are called points for difficult labour and that's what they really were that the when labour's in trouble get them get labour stimulated the rest of the three hundred and fifty points are fine so you make a very clear distinction between points that induce contractions and points that move blood and chi yeah. Uh, and points that may, might make the baby move, but that's not, they're not chi moving points. They're points that actually, stim, like bladder 67, stimulates, you know, the, the, something in the uterus that makes the baby move. Mm-hmm. So the rest of the points are fine. So it's just those five or six, what we'd call induction points. Stay away from those unless you want to induce labor. And, which, and what are those five induction points, just, so, just as a quick reference? Your large intestine four, your bladder 60, uh, bladder 31, 32, 33, but particularly bladder 32, uh, gallbladder 21, bladder 67. That, that's it really, isn't it? Those, you know, just spleen six. Although you can use them all as part of pre-birth to do different things, but you only use them for a specific reason. Right. So you only use them when you're preparing people to go into labor. And you can use moxa on bladder 67, obviously, earlier to make babies move. Mm-hmm. But it was needles. I only really use it to, to get labor stimulated. Got it. So the rest of the 
the rest of the points. I know people worry about liver three and stomach 36 and stuff, but just giving people energy and moving cheese, not otherwise women would be induced all over the place so easily and they're not. Mm-hmm. So put a lot of fear out there. Yes, there's a ton of fear out there. Well, anxiety, yeah, fear and anxiety. You know, we don't want to hurt our patients. And to be fair, you need to be equipped that some women will have premature labor. If you work in this, you know, because of the percentages, if you work in this area, some women are going to have premature labor. Some women are going to have miscarriages if you work a lot in pregnancy. And you just need to know that that happens sometimes. And it's got nothing to do with your needles. It doesn't happen. The only problem I can see with people, and this has never happened to me, but I don't use those points, would be if someone got contractions on the table and then went away and had a miscarriage or a premature labor. Mm-hmm. And since then, they'd say, oh, that could have been the acupuncture. Otherwise, you have all this research to back you up where there were control groups. And when they did nothing, you still had miscarriages, you still have premature babies, etc., but no more than the general population. Great. Hey, can you send me um, either research or some links to, you know, a, a few bits of research that uh, listeners would be able to look at that, that uh, you know, help set their mind at ease, so to speak? Uh, yeah, well, I can send you the, um, I'll send you the, art, the link to the article that's gone to the Midwifery Journal about the clinic. And in that, there is the safety information because we always have to state how safe it is. So that's probably something readable for them that they can follow up the references. Okay, sounds great. So hopefully, yeah, go forth and treat all those women because they are suffering and they don't need to. Well, you've totally inspired me. I'm going to go write a blog post tonight and put it on my website and uh, see if I can attract a few women into my practice so I can uh, do my part to help out here. Yeah, people don't have to just put up with it because Western medicine says lots of people have it. Oh, yeah. You know, it's so true. There's so many conditions that people come in with and Western medicine says we can't do anything. Nothing can be done. They don't say we can't do anything. They say nothing can be done. And, you know, we look at some of that stuff and go, yeah, something can be done. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why it's fun to be an acupuncturist. It is. (laughs) Deborah, if people would like to get a hold of your book or if they'd like to do some study with you or know how to get, you know, get a little bit more of you in terms of a class or online resources or something like that, how do they do that? So there's the lectures are on Pro-D and that they cover sort of a lot of aspects of pregnancy. Also, my book is on Amazon and that details all of the treatment that I've just gone through and as part of the, as part of that, and also they're just welcome to email me with questions. I, I just ask that they you know they make them specifically related, giving me information about about the treatment as well, not just a question of how do you treat back pain because I don't have the time to, to type an hour long response. But if you've got woman in clinic that you're concerned about or a specific thing happening, you're welcome to send me emails as well. Yes, be brief and specific. Well, specific, yes, specific, giving me information about what's really happening, what the Western medicine diagnosis is, um, that you've done a treatment if it hasn't responded, and then we can work through some sort of more. There's always difficult patients, so work through different scenarios. But I'm really happy to be contacted. Yeah. Wonderful. Deborah, any last words before we uh, wind this down? Uh, 
just what I started off saying. This is uh, it's, this is such a joy to treat. It's something that responds so well to our medicine, and I'd like to encourage acupuncturists to go out there and really promote it to midwives, to antenatal groups as something uh, that they can do for these women because they're suffering. Yeah, and we can do something about it. And it's not really minor. Um, it interferes with their life, their ability to work, to look after their children. It interferes with their sleep. And sleep is really big in pregnancy research because they're finding that poor quality sleep is linked to a whole lot of complications as well. So I think we can really do something very effective for these women. Wonderful. Again, thank you so much. It's always fun to talk to you. I come away inspired and, and a smarter acupuncturist too. Thanks. Thank you, Michael. Pleasure. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community.